All right, a beautiful daf ahead of us. Here we go. Today's daf is daf pay, page 80 in the Hilgim Sechas Babakama. And we are on the second line from the top of daf pay. At the two dots, we're up to Sha'alu, Tamida, Beshev Gamliel, in the middle of a new and fascinating sugya as we wrap up the seventh parak of Babakama, which has to do with raising various animals in Eretz Yisrael, in Yerushalayim, and in one's home. So here we go. Shalu Tomida Rabbi Gamliel. Rabbi Gamliel. The students ask Rabbi Gamliel. Mahuli Gadel. Can we raise sheep and goats in Eretz Yisrael? Amar lahem mutter. Yes, you can. Says the Gemara. What do you mean, Vatanan? Didn't we just learn the Mishnah? In Megadlin. You cannot have sheep and goats and raise them in Israel. They're going to get in the way of the land of Eretz Yisrael being settled. Says the Gemara. Elahachi kabominei. Let's give context. And the, what the students asked Rabbi Gamliel was, Mahu Lishais, not, see, we learned that you're not allowed to raise small domesticated animals in Israel, but you're allowed to keep them in your, in your home in preparation for Yamte, for a Simcha, for 30 days. Their question was, what if it's more than 30 days? So I brought it in for a specific reason, but I'm going to keep it there for 40 days. Is that allowed? Omar lahen mutter. So his response to them was, yes, you could, ubovad, provided, they don't go out and graze. They need to remain tied to the legs of your bed. In other words, Rebbe Gamliel is giving them a leniency, which is that, in general, you're not allowed to raise small domesticated animals. We learned that for meat and for yomtif and for consumption, you're allowed to have them for up for 30 days. If there's, a, if there's a specific reason why it needs to be there for longer than 30 days, he says, then there's a way you could do it, which is to keep them tied to your bedposts, which means keep them on a leash, so they don't go out and graze uh, publicly in the, or you know, uh, uh, amongst the, the inhabitants of Eretz Yisrael. Turn around, one of the rabbis, learn so should be story with the chassid. Listen to this incredible, incredible uh, incident of how a yid could live with such uh, beautiful friendships. All right, story with a chassid, a pious person. Ganeach milibai. Ganeach milibai means he, he wasn't feeling well. Literally means he was groaning from his heart. He wasn't feeling well. Now this was this was not a life or death situation, as we're going to see. But he he was really really under the weather. Vishalu l'raifim. So he asked the doctors. That's what he. That's what he does. Or you go to the doctors. There are a bunch of them put doctors in the world for a reason. So you go to doctors. He asked them, "What could I do?" Vamru and they said to him, We don't really have any sort of uh, medicine for you. We don't know what to do for you until each morning for breakfast. Listen to this. You have to drink milk straight from the animal. You have to drink milk straight from the udder each morning. And once you do that a number of times, your body will heal itself to a point where we could offer you medicine. Okay, so you have to drink straight from the udder. Now, this is not uh, uh, the smartest way to be uh, drinking milk in, uh, in general. Um so they brought him a goat. And they tied it to the legs of the bed. And this was what he would do for breakfast. 
Now, a few days later, his friends knew that he wasn't feeling well and he was home, so they came to his house. And what did they see? They saw a goat tied to his bedpost. So he's a chassid, right? He's somebody who always wants to do the right thing and always does the right thing. And they see him raising a goat in his house. So they're naturally going to assume that he's sinning. Because you're not allowed to keep a goat in your house. Not allowed to raise a goat. Chazu So they turned on their heels. Vamru, and they said, "List There's bandits in this house. What are they referring to? The goat. These goats go about stealing. And we're going to visit him. Yeah, he's keeping goats, bandits in his house, and it's a problem. It's a problem. Yeah. So listen to this. They're doing this obviously for his welfare. Listen to these incredible friends. I mean this sincerely. They knew everything about his life and they checked. They checked and they found that he has no other sin besides for this. Even him at the time when he passed away, eventually he would say, the only sin that I currently have on my hand, I guess that he hasn't done tshuva for completely yet, was that he kept a goat in his house, because I transgressed the words of the Chachamim, who do not allow a goat or sheep in the house. Amr Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Shmuel says, The Balabatim of the Galilee, were, that's where my father's family was from. Okay, we were from the Galil. Upstanding, an upstanding family from the Galil. And why was it taken away? Why was it destroyed? They would let the animals graze out in the forests, which usually would be okay, but apparently here it was a problem. And they would judge financial matters individually. Usually, usually, ideally, you should have a party of three. Judge financial matters. Even though they had forests near their home, there was a small field in between. So the problem, and the, the animals would pass through. So we, remember, we learned that, that you're not allowed to raise small animals in inhabited areas. But out in the desert, you could have goats and sheep. So a forest, an uninhabited area, shouldn't be an issue either. But over here, since there was somebody else's small piece of, uh, a small strip of private land, in between their field and the forest, so therefore it was a, it was a sin, and ultimately, um, the um, parnasa of them, you know, uh, raising animals was taken away because they weren't doing it in the proper fashion. When a person takes gifts that their banshalm gives them and uses it in a proper fashion, so the bracha comes from that. If we take a gift that the banshalm gives us and we don't use it, so chas v'shalom. It could be uh, taken away if we're not proper uh, treasurers, if we're not proper overseers of Hakadosh Baruch Hu's of Hakadosh Baruch Hu's property. Tanu Rabbanon, the rabbis learned that's why the rabbis write a If you have a shepherd that does tshuva, how do you do tshuva? See, until now he was overseeing sheep and goats. Now he learned. The Mishnah, which tells us you're not allowed to do that. So the shepherd wants to do tshuva. The problem is, it's his livelihood. Now this is incredible. 
incredible, 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 foundational. You'd say, what do you want to say to somebody who wants to do tshuva? So stop. Cut it out. Take it away. You're not allowed to do that. It's not what happens. You have a shepherd who wants to do tshuva. The chachamim are going to work with him. To make the tshuva a more sustainable and easier process. We don't want to make tshuva hard on people. We came across this concept, right? If somebody steals a beam and puts it into their home, takana sashavim. We had um, uh, also as well, right? There, there's times where you have something, but it's going to be too hard to tshuva. We'll say, okay, give back the value instead of the the property itself. All right? So here you have a shepherd that wants to do tshuva. Says the b'risa, listen, we don't say sell all your goat and sheep right away. You sell it off slowly but surely. You make it a process, an easier process. Okay? Why? Because you should know, every goat and sheep that you sell is a step of tshuva. One less goat, one less sheep. It's not all or nothing. We learned you're not allowed to raise dogs. You're not allowed to raise PIGs in your house. Well, what if I'm Jewish and, and I converted to Judaism? My parents weren't Jewish, so they don't have this halacha. And my, my dad passes away. My not-Jewish dad passes away. And he lives by, he was raising PIGs and dogs. So now it's in my possession. What do, we say, what do we tell the convert who just inherited all these things? Listen to this. We don't say you got to sell it right away. You sell it off little by little. You can hold on to it. If you sell it all at once, people are going to pay less for it, right? So you, you, you sell it off in a way that makes the most sense, that works best. Person takes a vow that he's going to buy a house or get married to a woman in Eretz Yisrael. We don't say, got to do it now. Once you find something that's proper, a proper wife, a proper house, something that makes sense, something that fits, then then you do it. Okay, this is important in life as well. Um, where you, you take things sensibly. Take things sensibly. When things move in a dramatic fashion, generally, not always, when things move in a dramatic fashion, they tend to not be sustainable. Okay? So things that need to be done smart, smart, not with a burst of inspiration and boom. The question is, who am I in the long run? Not who am I with when I'm inspired by this. Umaisa bi'isha achas. And there's a story with a woman. She had a very difficult time raising her son. So what does she want? She's apparently a single mom. So what does she feel this kid needs in his life? A dad. So out of, uh, out of desperation, the cuffs of Anishba, she got up and she swore, next guy who proposes to me, I'm going to accept it. This kid needs a dad in his life. And people heard about this. Some men who were not so great heard about her oath, her vow, and they came to her and they said, oh, will you marry me? She doesn't need to accept their proposal Even though she took a vow Because obviously she means This kid needs a dad And a husband who's fit for me 
not some random dude that heard about this and is uh, planning on taking advantage of, uh, of my statement. Okay, says the Gemara. The same way we said, now let her raise small goats and sheep, domesticated animals in Eretz Yisrael. You also are not allowed to raise undomesticated animals. Rabbi Shmuel says, You're allowed to have poodles. Okay? You're allowed to have small dogs. You're allowed to have cats, you're allowed to have weasels, you're allowed to have monkeys, because they help with housekeeping. How do they help with housekeeping? They get rid of mice, they get rid of bugs, they get rid of worms. Things that are there, again, as part of humanity dwelling there, (coughs) excuse me, and are helpful. It's considered, back then, these were considered like brooms and vacuums in the house. As long as they're small and they don't frighten people and they're useful, you're allowed to keep them in the house. My hold is the same way you could have large animals, again, because people need oxen to plow, people need donkeys to schlep, people need horses to ride on. My hold is what are these snab bush weasels? Um, Rav Yehuda, Yehuda explains, Shirtza Kharza, they're animals that dig a lot. Dikadabri Kharza, they are animals that are Kharza, they sting. What does that mean that they sting? They're very thin feet and they live between bushes. Um, the reason why it's called uh, a shirtza, it's because they have very short legs. All right, they don't really creep and crawl around, but they have very short legs. Bottom line is that apparently they're helpful for housekeeping. And therefore, they're permitted to keep uh, to keep around in one's uh, in one's domain. Okay, here we go. We are now six lines from the bottom of Daf Pei Omar Aleph. Om Ravina Marav. Ravina says, in the name of Rav, you should know that we're strict on ourselves in Babel, the same way they are in Eretz Yisrael. The when it comes to small animals in Babel and Babylon, we do not raise. Small domesticated animals. What are you talking about? You got one. You have a small animal. Uh, I'm sorry. He said to Ravuna. He said to Ravuna. Now that Ravuna Marav said we don't do this in Babel, why do you have a small animal? Amarle Ravuna responded. My wife Chayva keeps it on a leash. She oversees it. And therefore, there's no concern that it's going to go out and bother others. Chayva should bury her sons. He said, I still disagree with this. And he gave a, a curse, which unfortunately came about. None of the children from Chayva survived. It's a very uh, uh, sad, uh, unfortunate circumstance. This started when Rav came to Bavel from Eretz Yisrael. That's when the Chumrah in Bavel uh, started as well. Okay. Bottom line is, bottom line is that we have a difference of opinion, a difference of approach. Once the Chachamim said you should not have small domesticated animals, if I if I remove the problem. 
which is what's the problem? This problem with sheep or goats is that they're going to go about grazing people's backyards, people's tomato patches, people's fields, and it's going to lead people to not purchase land and homes in Eretz Yisrael. Give people the reason not to. Well, what if I circumvent that? What if I make sure that my animals don't do that? Is it okay now? So Ravuda Marav says it was okay. Um, I'm sorry, Ravuda Marav Huna felt it was okay because his wife Chayva would tie them up on a leash and wouldn't allow them to graze. But apparently, uh, Ravada Barava disagreed with that. He said once there's a once there's a decree in place, one should not keep it in the home. Should not keep these animals in the home. Okay. Rav Ushmul Veravasi. Rav and Shmuel and Ravasi Iklu, they went up Lebe Shvua Habain to a Bay Shvua Habain. What is this? Says Rashi. A brismila. The sun is now over a week old. A Shvua Habain. And they went to a bris. Vramri La Lebe Yeshua Habain. They they met by a Yeshua Habain. Okay. What's that? A Pidin Habain. To redeem. To save the son. Yeah, to get it back from the Kain. Rav Here was the problem. You have three big tzaddikim who are coming to the party at the same time. Rav did not want to go into the party before Shmuel. Out of honor for Shmuel, he wanted Shmuel to walk him first. Top of Amud Beis. Shmuel Le'ayel Kamei Ravasi. And Shmuel didn't want to walk into the room before Ravasi. And Ravasi Le'ayel Kamei Rav. And Ravasi didn't want to go in because Rav didn't go in. Now Rav was waiting for Shmuel. Shmuel was waiting for Ravasi. And Ravasi is waiting for Rav. So now we have a problem. Omru. So they said. Man Nisrach. Apparently there was room for two people to go in at a time. Without the third. So they were trying to figure out who should go in last. Nisrach Shmuel Venesi Rav. Ravasi. So they decided that Shmuel should wait outside and let Rav and Ravasi go in first. Okay? Fine. Why did they choose Shmuel to go in second? Let him go first. Says the It was a Milsa Ba'alma. Okay? Because of a story that happened. Because of a story that happened. Rav did this to give covet, to give honor to Shmuel. There was a time where he had cursed out Shmuel. So Rav always took upon himself to always show covet, to show proper honor to Shmuel. Okay, because of a uh, incident that uh, that happened at a different time, so Rav wanted to make sure that he, you know, he never slipped again. He's going to show him special. He's going to show him special covet. Adahachi bahachi. In the meantime, as they're going in, also shun rakati lidadi nuka nafak rav vidarash chasum motu lahargai. A cat bit the hand of a child, and Rav said, "It's forbidden to have a. If you see a cat, you should kill it." For also the kaima, you're not allowed to keep it in your domain. The imbay mishum gazel, and if you see somebody else who owns a pet cat, you're allowed to take it away. It's not a problem of stealing. And if you see a lost cat, you should not return it to its owner because it's something that is dangerous. You have no obligation to return a lost cat to its owner. It says, once you said you're allowed to kill the cat, 
Mine you sue also the kaimai. Once it's allowed, you're allowed to kill the cat. Why do you got to tell me that that you're not allowed to keep it in your domain? Of course, if it's if every cat is dangerous and obligated in death, why do you got to tell me that you can't keep it? Of course, you can't keep it. It's unnecessary to say that. Mahu detema. I would have thought to say mutter lahargai isurei leka. I would say that listen, it means you're allowed to kill the cat, okay? But it's still not usher, forbidden to own the cat. Come ashvalan. Everybody's letting us know. It's forbidden to kill a cat. It's it's forbidden to keep the cat, to own the cat. Amri, they said, once you said there's no obligation for stealing, if somebody else owns one, you can take it away. Why do you got to tell me you don't have to return? Of course you don't need to return. You're even allowed to take it away. We're talking about the skins, which means if you find a dead cat, you don't need to give the carcass for the skins back to the owner. Now a dead cat is not dangerous anymore. Maybe that's a challenging question. Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon, you're allowed to raise small poodles, small dogs in your house, and cats, and monkeys, and bush weasels. So you see from over here, are you allowed to own a small dog or a cat? Yeah. They go with housekeeping. How does this fit with Rob's statement that if you see a cat, you take it away from the owner? Over here we see it's not a problem. Like Asha, It depends if it's a black one or a white one. The black cats are fine. A white cat is dangerous. Says the Gemara, not true. It was a black cat that bit, bit, bit off the hand of the kid. So don't tell me the black ones are fine and the white ones aren't. It was a black cat, the child of a white cat, and that's also dangerous. Anytime you got white cat in your genes, it's a problem. Ravina asked a question about this. He says, The boy Ravina, he asked the Shiloh, What is Allah? You got to keep a black cat, the son of a white cat. So it's not so simple that it's certainly not allowed. Says Gomorrah, keep coming by the Ravina, word Ravina ask a Shaila, Bauchma Bar Khivra Bar Uchma. It was a black cat, the child of a white cat who came from a black cat. So now it's got both black cat and white cat genes. And since it has black cat and white cat genes, and it's a black cat, so then he had a Shaila. Yep. Maisa the Rav, but by Rav, the black cat was Bukhma Bar Khivra Bar Khibrahabi. It was a black cat that came from two white cats, it only had white cats in its genes, and therefore Rav held that it was forbidden to own it. Okay. Bottom line. Bottom line is. What do you see? Pushing aside for now. Black or white. The main thing is. If you have any cats. That risk. Biting. Somebody else. Being an attack cat. And this applies to dogs too. This applies to any pet. The Gemara is telling us it's forbidden to own it in your domain. And if you have a dog which is dangerous, if you have a pet which is dangerous, somebody else is permitted to take it away. And if your dog is lost, they have no obligation to return it whatsoever. One is not allowed to raise a dangerous pet within a dwelling place of society. Okay. Says the Gemara... A way to remember the next few halachas. Chabad bich bochan simen. 
Okay, we're now going to go through a number of different uh, halachas that have to do with um, raising small animals in Eretz Yisrael. Omer Rav Acha Bar Papa Mishum Rav Ava Bar Papa Mishum Rav Ada Bar Papa Givaldik. Rav Acha Bar Papa quoted Rav Abba Bar Papa quoted Rav Ada Bar Papa. The army law some say Omer Rav Abba Bar Papa Rav Abba quoted Rav Chia Bar Papa Mishum Rav Acha Bar Papa. The army law some say it was Omer Rav Abba Bar Papa Mishum Rav Acha Bar Papa Mishum Rabbi Chanina Bar Papa. Okay, who's the original source? Three different approaches. Masriyan ala chichuch b'shabes. Masriyan ala chichuch b'shabes. We are allowed to daven, which over here is referring to blow a shoifer on Shabbos. Everybody comes together and cries out to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. You're allowed to cry out on Shabbos if there's a problem of scratching. What's the problem of scratching? Rashi says, Shin, it's if there's an issue where somebody has boils. Boils. So let it daven out on Shabbos. Videles hanin eles loi bimherati patach. And you should know that a door which is closed is not going to be opened easily. Okay? What does that mean? If somebody's finding they're not matzliach, they're not successful in a specific area or a specific place in a specific time, it's going to take a lot of davening to change that around. And if a person purchases a home in Eretz Yisrael, you could write up a contract even on Shabbos. Incredible. It is. You want to buy a house in Eretz Yisrael? You could have a contract written up on Shabbos. It doesn't say who writes the contract. Maybe you, maybe it's telling me you're allowed to ask a non-Jew to write it up. Over here, we're also dealing with a home that's owned by a non-Jewish person. If you have a home that's owned by a non-Jewish person and a Jewish person wants to purchase it, so since Eretz Yisrael is meant to be owned by, there's a mitzvah, it's meant to be owned by Klal Yisrael, meant to be owned by Yin. So in order to ensure this, you're allowed to have a contract written up on Shabbos. Meisvei, they asked a challenging question. Let's go through these halachas and explain them. If there's other other tzaras that come together upon a tzibor, like there's a number of people who are suffering from boils. Chagav. Or there's locusts. You hear this? Nothing is random. Nothing is random. We're coming off the parshias of all the ten plagues, yeah? Also, by the way, the case the Gemara brought about tying the goat to the to the legs of the bed also reminds us of the Korban Pesach from last week's Parsha, right? Zuvuv, flies, tzira, wasps, yitush, mosquitoes, v'shiluach, nechoshen v'akarovim, snakes and scorpions that are around communities and neighborhoods, and people are coming to daven to get rid of these things. We don't daven for these things on Shabbos, but we do... We, we do daven. We don't blow shoifer, but we do daven. So what's the question? Over here you see, you don't blow shoifer on Shabbos for boils. You daven, we don't blow shoifer. Like Kasha, says Gemara, no question. Kambalach, kambi yavish. 
It depends if it's fresh boils or dried boils. Dried boils are a bigger problem. And that you could even blow shoifer about on Shabbos. Dumb Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi. If you, and because Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi says, The boils that Hashem sent on the Mitzrim, They were wet on the outside, but dry on the inside. The boils were blisters that came upon Adam and Behema. Okay? So which means a blister, which is usually wet, formed on the outside of the boils underneath, which were dry. Okay? So that explains the, that first halacha of the b'risa. Then we said another statement, which was cryptic, and we said, a closed door cannot be opened easily. A locked door cannot be opened easily. What does that mean? Mahi, what are we talking about? Marzutra Omar Marzutra says, smicha. This is referring to smicha. Okay? When somebody receives smicha to become a rav, so we wanted, it's very important that the Messira, the, the tradition is transmitted properly. So also that needs to be done. Uh, you you got to make sure not to push that off, not to push off the giving of smicha. Ravashi Yama Ravashi says, If somebody is, if uh, you're bad to somebody, another meaning of this could be, if you're bad to somebody, you're not going to be treated well so quick. Okay? Which means once you are trying to be successful at a position or a uh, uh, livelihood, it's going to take time, patience, work, and effort to get success. Success takes longer than failure. Yeah? It may never happen. It's not true. He was just speaking from his own experience. He worked hard at a couple things and he was looking for specific positions that he never got. So he said, oh, it's never going to happen. But he says that that's not what the Gemara is referring to. And when something doesn't come easily, if you work hard enough, patient long enough, the Rebbein Shalom could send it at a certain time. But you have to realize that again, as we know in life, success takes time, failure doesn't. Okay. Then the Gemara said, <clears throat> if somebody's purchasing a home in Eretz Yisrael, you could write up a contract of sale even on Shabbos. Now what does this mean? Says Gemara, really? You could do a, biz- a, a biblical transgression to purchase a home in Eretz Yisrael? What does that mean? A Jew can't do this. That's a biblical problem. However, you can ask a non-Jew to write up the contract and he will do it. So usually you're not allowed to ask a non-Jew to do a malacha for you on Shabbos. That is a rabbinic transgression. When it comes to purchasing a home in Eretz Yisrael from a non-Jew, to ensure that gets it done, you're allowed to ask a non-Jew to write up the contract. Why? never made a decree against writing when it comes to Gishuv settling and dwelling in Eretz Yisrael. Rav If a person is buying an entire city in Eretz Yisrael, we have to buy roads on all four sides of that town, Mishum Yishuv Eretz Yisrael, in order to make it comfortable. 
um, uh, make it comfortable for other people living outside that city as well to be able to pass uh, pass near the city. In other words, this is a general instruction, which is that it, it's, there's an instruction to Klal Yisrael to make it as easy as possible for other Yidin, if they want to move to Eretz Yisrael, to make it as simple as uh, simple and uh, as smooth of a process as possible. Okay, we're going to hold it here. Uh, and Bezram, tomorrow we will pick up from Tan Rabbanon. Again, we're still going to continue on some of these uh, fascinating Agadah Gemara's fascinating uh, points and, and topics over here. Bezram will pick up, I think this week, this week, Minchem is 455. 455. So, uh, Shkia is a little after 510. 5.30. Those staying in shul with us live or some people are going to be uh, going home. Let's call it 545 uh, daf this week. Let's still aim for, for uh, 545. All right, 545 daf. Yami this week. Have a wonderful, wonderful week, ever.